If you would, turn with me to James. We're going to James chapter 4. In fact, what we're doing is going back to where we left off before the holidays began in the book of James. So if by chance today's message and the text somehow hits a little too close to home, it is not necessarily anything to do with my planning, but rather this just happens to be where we're at. This is the chapter where we left off. This is where we start. If you would, as we think about it, James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, we're reading the, just the first few verses there. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is always true and it is always truth to our life. And we pray that you would bring that home. By your Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to hear from you. Lord, help me to speak your words, but I know and I trust that you can say and speak to our hearts and our minds in ways that have nothing to do with whatever words I'm going to say. Holy Spirit, you would truly break out by breaking through. And that we really hear you today. And heed your word. Thank you. That you have. Help and hope. In these strong words today for us. So now Jesus move. Move us. In your name we pray. Amen. Obviously, this last year has been one of great turmoil, division, fighting. It's made the front headlines. It's on the TV news in such an over-the-top, unbelievable kind of way. But here's the thing. The greater reality of this whole atmosphere that seems to be around is that that atmosphere has seeped into our relationships And cause conflict that's never going to make the news as everyday people are experiencing not only a greater number of conflicts, but they are experiencing conflicts at a greater level than they have before in the past, even within their own family. Maybe we've not stopped to think about it. We just thought, well, this happened or that happened, and so we got to deal with it. But we have not really thought through the fact that there's something going on here. We need divine help, not just in our country on a grand scale dealing with the conflict. We need divine help just with our own little world. And the good news for us today is that here in James chapter 4, he speaks to us. In fact, even before the verses here in chapter 4 verse 1, 
even before that in verse 18 of chapter 3. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Even before he starts with verse 1 of chapter 4, he's talking about peace. And now in chapter 4, God speaks very pointedly about conflict that has got to change. And that change, how does that begin? And for us to understand, we can change our conflicts by God changing us. We can change our conflicts by God changing us. Now, how do we do that? The first thing is really is to admit where the real cause of our wars are coming from. Look at chapter one, chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's not about a family feud here. The, this is about literal wars and fights. Well, I, I suppose we wouldn't say they're literal, but that's the word that's used there. The words he's using here as he begins are military words that deal with conflict, open hostility, hand-to-hand combat, especially, particularly among Christian people, taking sides, digging into their trenches, creating a battle that is just constantly raging on in our homes, in our churches, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, all around us. There are divisions and dissensions, discord and contention, arguments and power struggles, turning brothers and sisters in Christ into opponents, turning friends into enemies, turning families into foes. And unfortunately, having a friendly fire that is injuring many an innocent bystander, most often those who are not only young in Christ, but those who don't even know Christ. God takes this conflict seriously. He wants to speak to the change that needs to take place. So what is the reason for the conflicts? What is the cause of our warring? And you might think, when I'm talking about your disagreement with someone else, to call it a war is a little over the top. But it's not exactly the way God's looking at it here. Look at verse 2. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. God says, murder. You murder. I mean, talk about over-the-top language. Murder. Uh, We're not talking about literal murder, but figuratively speaking, just like Jesus did, In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22, we see it here. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. This is the murder they're talking about. In fact, not just that, but 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a what? Murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. So this murder in verse 2, where did it come from? Where did it happen? This murder happened in verse 1 among the fights and the quarrels among you. That's where it took place. When we got a murder going on, it's time to call in CSI. That's right. You know what CSI is, right? Church scene investigators. Isn't that what it is? Uh, yeah. 
It's church. Yeah, we need the church scene investigators to find out who, who, who is responsible for this crime. And James tells us who in chapter one, verse, this other part of that verse, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? The battle within you. It wasn't Colonel Mustard. It wasn't Professor Plum. It may have been a dagger, but the dagger was our tongue. Ultimately, God is bluntly trying to say that the fighting going on between one another is caused by the fighting that's going on inside each of us as individuals. We can change the conflict by allowing God to change us as individuals. The battle that is going on inside us as Christians is coming out. That battle that Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 talks about for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not know what you want. These is what he's talking about here. The carnal, selfish desires, the passions, what I want, what I like, wanting my needs to be met, demanding my rights, even under the camouflage of this is just about what's right. Even if we would argue that our issue that we're warring over is not some carnal, sinful thing. Nonetheless, it's a fleshly, human It's not the Spirit of God that is leading that conflict in you. Not the way it's coming out. I mean, we can fool ourselves in somehow thinking, well, it's not really. I know he says it's what's in us, but it's not really something personal. Then why do we take it personal? Why do we make it a personal mission to fight the other person? It's because the war begins within us. We are the first real enemy. We have to face ourselves as individuals as a source of the conflict if we're ever going to find change in our conflict with others. We can fight a battle in different ways, and some fight it in, uh, as you read here, you kill, you know, you, verse 2, you want something, don't get it, you kill, covet, but you cannot have what you want, you quarrel and fight. It may be all kinds of different ways that it goes about. Uh, we get frustrated, we react. Sometimes in face-to-face explosions, sometimes it's back-to-back secret attacks that we do. And then there are those who don't do any of that, and they say, you know, well, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm good because I don't scream at someone and all that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to involve in the quarrel. They're just kind of apathetic about it. That doesn't mean you're not quarreling. It just means you're not fighting out loud. You're making a statement by the message that you send, which puts you in conflict with the other person, even though you did not say a word by your actions or your inaction, you took part in the conflict. Our war with one another does not have to be with words. I mean, just think about it. Can you tell me that you've never had a serious fight with someone who used the silent treatment or just walked out the door as a tactic of their war? Right? It's still a tactic of war. It may, not, it may, whatever it is, none of this is how God wants us to handle conflict. And yet we who call ourselves Christians can end up handling things exactly the same way the world does. 
which is what he's trying to get us to do, to recognize in verse 4, you adulterous people, the friendship of the world is hatred of God, anyone who chooses to be a friend, and we take that out, but we put it in the context here, recognizing that we're just like the world. And the way we're doing things, worldly, in our conflict with one another. In fact, the Bible talks about it. God says in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, you are still worldly. How are we still worldly? We know how churchianity defines worldliness. Don't do this, don't do this, you know, our churchianity. But what's the Bible say? What does God say about worldliness? You are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Here's the worldliness. The worldliness is our quarreling that's going on. And so we say, okay, yes, yes, I admit there's conflict. And maybe I, I have a, a small part in it. But the reality is, in this case, none of that really applies. Because I'm right and they're wrong. Are you with me? You know what? I mean, you can talk about all this stuff and these verses, that's good for some people, but it doesn't apply to my case because I'm right, they're wrong. It's not the point. We're not seeing what it's doing to you, what it's doing to the other person, what it's doing to the relationship. Are we really saying right, all the way right, in such a way that we have died to self, that there is nothing personal at all in any of our reactions. There are no reactions. We're not bringing frustrations from the past. We're not bringing unresolved conflicts. There is no unforgiveness in all of this. You know what? James is concerned about the selfish spirit of our quarrels more than he is concerned about who is right. James doesn't even talk about who's right and who's wrong and how that works out in all these quarrels. And don't you think during James' time, as he's speaking to these people about the conflict and the quarrels, don't you think the people back then thought they were right too? I mean, who doesn't think when they're fighting? I mean, there are, yeah, there are a few people that I just like to fight, you know. And they're, they're just they're just persnickety people. Uh, but the reality is everybody thinks they're right. But James doesn't even address that. That's not the point. That's not doesn't even come into play here. It's about the battle that is within you. The one truth that we need to focus on is the real cause of our conflict. And somebody says, yeah, yeah, but, 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 but my conflict with this person, it's not just about what's right. I, I know, I know you just kind of said, and you got a verse there, pastor, and all that. And I, but my conflict is about the truth. A word that's used a lot these days and is quickly losing its meaning because every deci everyone decides what is true to them is the truth, especially when both sides say they're standing for what's true. And what's interesting is in the war, even believers in the war of truth information that's being thrown out there in battle, you know, all this truth that is being shared and talked about, you so rarely hear the name of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. All the talk of truth, all the talk that's going on. Jesus is not mentioned. His name is never mentioned. Eternal matters are not brought into it. Instead, we bully our way to win our battles 
and then lose our relationships, ultimately, even souls, just to prove we are right, doing the devil's work for him. Now, I'm not saying that the devil doesn't have a foothold in all this, but we can give him too much credit. Oftentimes, he doesn't have to do much because the real enemy is our own flesh that opens the door for Satan to do what we've already begun. And we don't like to admit it. Sometimes Christians have problems, problems with one another, the conflicts that can happen. But really, the New Testament, have you read it lately? You know, much of that that's written was there was conflicts going on. Like 1 Corinthians had a number of different conflicts. Corinthians had not, not only that, they, one of the conflicts said at the very beginning was uh, fighting about preachers and, and more. And Paul speaks to that. He says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you so that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. And it's amazing that Christians will read this if they want. Some don't want to read it, don't want to hear it. And they just walk away like they never saw it. You got to deal with this. Here's what he's saying, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. But that's not what's happening, and, and the reality is it's not what happened even back in the early church. That's why God gives us references over and over about how we're supposed to handle conflict. By the way, just as a side note, in case I, you may not have heard this from other places, but if you want to go to a church without problems. If you want to go to a church without problems, it's pretty easy. All you need to do is just find a church without people. Just saying, and I'll give you that chance. Uh, if, you, if you can do that, although once we get you get there, then there's people there. But anyway, uh, a number of years ago, uh, uh, just a, not too many years ago, a, a church conflict forum was looking into church splits. And they came up with, the, as their statistics, as they looked at this, about 2% of church conflict was over doctrinal issues. 98% was over interpersonal issues. In other words, 98% of it was over what James chapter 4, verse 1 is talking about, the battles, that, the desires that battle within you. I mean, there are those who split over the color of the uh, carpet that might be. The, one church split over a piano bench. Of course, that was, technically that was resolved. Uh, they resolved that whole piano bench thing by going to two services where the piano bench was taken outside for one service and then just dragged back in for the next service. One church split over the spelling of the word hallelujah, and I could go on with how there was majoring on the minors and the wrong wars that took place over some ridiculous things. But we don't have to say it for churches how many in our own homes have battles with our own family over things like that, right? But it really wasn't over things like that. It's about selfish desires to get what we want. It goes beyond all those kind of things. You know, it, it, it really has less to do than I want to make sure chartreuse is the color of the carpet. It's not about the color. It's about control. 
so often in our fights. It's about who makes the decision. It's about who uh, is the one in charge. It's about who gets their way. The real cause of the wars between us is within us. And we can have fights about things that we really don't even care about. Think about it. Fights with those who are close to you. Some of those fights, it really doesn't, sometimes it really doesn't matter, but it does matter because we're not going to give in. We are not going to lose this one. It's the principle of the matter. No, you are the principle that matters and why this is going the way it's going. What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's the desires of battle within you. Please understand as we're talking about this, as I'm talking about this, I said this is just where we're at in James 4. This is not trying to call out OCCA or our church or something's grand wrong or something like that. But understand God still in his message does bring it about in a way to pierce through. His word, allowing his word to pierce through. Why is it that we can seem so clueless in the midst of our battles with one another to not recognize the enemy's schemes. The devil has not only come to church, the devil has come to home, to our businesses, to our neighborhoods and our country. And we're under attack because our eyes are so focused on ourselves, our selfish desires about my wants, my needs, my rights. We need to stop acting like that, that's just natural, that the, the fighting and the quarreling thing, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it's supposed to be. It's not. We're missing the real battle. We're missing the eternal things that are going on. And, and the devil goes to church. David Butts writes this. I believe the devil spends more time in church than many Christians. It makes sense for him to do so. If he can hang around Christians, create confusion, division, or discouragement, then he has effectively gotten us off track and has won a great victory. All too often, the church has forgotten about the enemy's concern over what we do, and in our ignorance, we allow him to create problems. Centuries ago, St. Augustine had a phrase that many have quoted throughout the years, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. We need to accept where the real cause of our wars are coming from. But if that's all we get is we figure out where the wars are coming from, we need something more than that to, for the conflict to change. And that's why we look at that second point today is that we need to accept the real solution to our wars where the real solution to our wars will come from. Look at, again, James 4 in verse 2. It talks about, we read earlier, you want something but don't get it, you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want, you quarrel and fight. And then it says this in that same sentence, in that same verse. You do not have because you do not ask God. How many have heard that before? But when we've heard it, we've used it in the context of prayer in general. And it is a thing that is a principle to be used in prayer in general. We've heard somebody say, you know what? You have not because you ask not, right? We, we just know that. 
The problem is we don't know it within the context of where it was written, within the actual verses, in the middle of the verse. It's not even something you can take out and be like, oh, well, this is a different place. It's right there in the very middle of it. The full meaning, the, 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 the real meaning, the meaning that God wants us to get from this, you have not because you ask not, is as it deals with our conflict. Not just with others, but the conflict within us. We're not praying. We've missed the real solution because we're all too willing to stand up and fight, but not really willing to kneel down and pray. Prayer should be our first and our main line of action, not only in dealing with the conflict, but in helping us to prevent it in the first place. We, how many have heard the tongue-in-cheek expression, why pray when you can worry? You know? I'm surely you've heard somebody say that. You know? Okay. Why worry when you can pray? I know. But people, you know, you throw it around and say, why, why pray when you can worry? I think we could take it right here in James chapter 4 and, and do a different one. Why pray when you can fight? Why pray when you can argue about it? Why pray when you can get ticked off and walk out? Imagine if we spent as much time talking to God about it as we do complaining and talking to everyone else about it. What a difference it could be made, not only in listening to God, but being empowered by the Holy Spirit to deal with the situation, not to mention God actually going before us and fighting our battles. And if you think about what really needs to happen in the cause of the conflict, it's inside. Yes, it's inside the other person, but first and foremost, it's inside us. And we try to solve it in our own ways. I mean, even in good ways, we're trying to solve this conflict many times by, uh, by going to the person with our amazing reasoning and just sharing with them, you know, trying to reason with them. And, and if it doesn't work, what do you do? Well, you just try harder, right? Yeah, you just give them more information. And if that doesn't work, uh, you know, if, if talking more doesn't work, you just talk louder, that works apparently, right? And we're forgetting where the real war is. When we're looking for that solution, the real war is not in someone's head, but a deeper place. I did not say, yeah, and, and understand that a deeper place, not just in them, but in us. Oftentimes, no matter what we say or do towards that other person, while it, it may help in, in a little way at times, it's not going to win the war. It doesn't win the war with them. All the words that you've used, all the logic that you put out there, it doesn't win the war with them. Because that person isn't where the real war is. It's within us personally. Logic didn't get them to that point of where they're at right now. Trying to use logic to get them out of it is not going to work. But if we pray, it it is harder to go astray when we're in constant contact with God. If we stay in his presence through prayer, ultimately the best solution to reach inside is through the Holy Spirit. And not relying on ourselves and our ability to try to somehow solve this problem. We cannot. 
especially when we're not recognizing that, first of all, there is a part of this that's in us. And I recognize, I mean, I've been doing this a long time and so many times talking with people, dealing with conflicts between people, even in marriages. And and it, it can feel like there's a four-lane highway on one side, you know, 80% of the problem. But there's also a, at least one lane on the other side. And so many times, even though the person that you're dealing with has some big problems, God's not going to deal with them until you deal with your one lane. He's not touching those four lanes until you deal with that one. He's trying to work in us. We need to, we, we need to recognize uh, some facts that sometimes we just don't want to grab a hold of. For example, we will not bring about, we see on the screen here, we will not bring about the will of God by spending more time standing against someone in battle than we do kneeling with God in prayer. Fact. We're not going to bring about the will of God just standing against someone if we're not kneeling. Uh, Let me put it a different way. We need to do more seeking of God's face than getting in someone else's face if we want a solution to the conflict. I'm not saying that we don't ever stand up, but if we never kneel down, it's not going to happen. Our prayers is more than just asking for what we want. It's asking for what God wants. The purpose of our prayer is not to convince God to do what we want, to take care of them or take care of the problem. The purpose of prayer is for us to get in line with his desires, surrender to his power, to work in our problems and to work his purposes out in us personally. Our prayer should not be my will be done, but God, yours, thy will be done. This is when we are really looking out for number one. The reason that got us into our conflict oftentimes is we were looking out for number one, this number one. But when we, if we want to find the solution to our conflict, it needs to begin by looking out for that number one, for him and what he wants in all of this. His will, his wants. God can turn it for good. Use it for an opportunity for growth in us. This conflict that's going on can be something that he wants to grow in us. And most of us know that. We've heard that, maybe not in that moment when it's going on, but we recognize that God could be using this to do something in us. And yes, it could have something to do with us. But could it be that the lack of prayer that we have is that we really don't want to pray to God because we know what he's going to say already? Are you with me? We don't want to ask God because we know what his answer is going to be. And it's going to have to be focused on me. I don't like that. But that's what he prays for. I mean, Jesus in John chapter 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and love them even as I have, even as you have loved me. Jesus prays that we would all be one. That there would be unity. Specifically, as it deals with his people on the church, that that would be a witness then to the world and win the real war that we should be fighting. 
Shouldn't we make what Jesus prayed for a priority, not just in our lives, but a priority for us to pray as well? It's not good when we are standing up for Christ, but no one sees Christ. And yet, when unbelievers see a bunch of imperfect, totally different people living in peace with one another, as caring individuals who are spirit-controlled, able to have a unity without having to worry about uniformity and being a bunch of clones, then we start winning the right battle, showing the world what Jesus said would change. Not just our conflict, but change the world. Jesus said in John 13, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In all of this, I'm, I'm sure there are those who would say, But I have prayed. I have prayed about this conflict and nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. I've prayed about this conflict. But have you... When you say that, what do you mean? For some people... They prayed. It was a long time ago. One time. Or maybe they're praying, but it's really more of an angry rant before God. Complaining to him about the other person. I just can't believe this person is like this. God, and you need to, you know, God, you better do something about it or I will. Why is it I prayed and you don't do anything about them verse 3 when you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures again it's about inside of us our selfish self-focused selfish demanding angry take no responsibility prayers are not going to bring about what we're wanting or what he wants We're not always thinking before we speak, but we're not always speaking to God before we speak to others. We jump right into the battle with the other person. It's about getting ultimately my way, not God's way. We believe this is the right way. We even might believe it's God's, but it's really us pushing it. Even we try to argue, you know, this is not it. It's just... It's not trying to get even my way. It's not really about that. But how are we doing it? Are we going about it in our own way, in our own wisdom, in our own words, in our own passion? Are we doing it God's way to get what God wants to happen? Those who argue that the conflict is not because of their personal desire, they say, well, I'm right and they're wrong, right? I mean, that whole that we talked about. Is that the absolute, complete truth? Because the question becomes, is this the right war? Do we ever ask ourselves, is this the right war that I should be fighting at this time? As we're getting ready to have a as we're having a conflict, and this beginning, and this, is this really the war I should be fighting at this time? And are we asking God that question? How many times do we just dive in, fussing and fighting about something that we didn't even take time to seek God about? We're standing up for God, but we're not doing it His way. We've made it our war, not His. We've not joined Him in battle. We've rushed on out there on our own. The problem is not just about what we're fighting about, it's how we're fighting, and oftentimes we're fighting the wrong 
war in the wrong battlefield and the wrong enemy because there already is an enemy that we have. Each of us in Ephesians 6 tells us that. For our struggle, as you read partway through there, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers, dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. It's not flesh and blood. And if it's not, then why are we spending so much of our time fighting flesh and blood, fighting, standing up, instead of fighting, kneeling down? Are we dealing with the conflict and truly praying God's will, God's way? For example, how many of us have prayed, or at least thought about praying, that our nation would be healed? I pray the, the, the heal our nation, the, the, just everything that's going on. It, it, that's a good thing. It is something we should pray about, so to speak. But is it really what God's will is? Well, yes, God wants it. Is it all of God's will? Or is it just something we want to see? Because it, that's what we want to see, and that is a good thing. And it is what God wants to see, but it's not all that God wants to see. I, tell you what I'm getting at. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We, many of us know. And God says, and I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We pray for that. We want that. Except here's a problem. That's not all that God wants. And while we want him to work and solve a conflict, here's the issue. The way it begins is if my people, that's us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We're praying for God to heal our nation, but the first prayer deals within us, not outside of us, not out there, not in what's going on. It is in us, but that's where the conflict begins. That is the cause, and that is where the solution begins. We need to be praying. In a few weeks, we'll have another one of the prayer events on a Sunday morning uh, where we will be seeking God to revive us, to revive us, O Lord, uh, in a few weeks. But within that, there's also those opportunities with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, 40 days of prayer. It's in the newsletter on Thursdays that you get. You can uh, click on that, sign it. If you're not getting the newsletter, call the office and we'll get that to you. The College of Prayer we've talked about in times past has a 21 days of fasting and praying. And maybe that's what needs to take place for whatever it is in the conflicts that you might be experiencing in your life and just wanting to see God work turning it over to him to see him work in our relationships, in our conflicts, but ultimately see him work in us what he wants to do. Let's pray. Worship team, come. Father, thank you for what you do want to do in us. You want to see these conflicts change. And today you have spoken rather directly in your word and in some ways uh, it really seems almost uh, too strong not that that's possible I pray that you'd help 
Holy Spirit, for this really to sink in and get in. <coughs> Recognizing no matter what we may think and what's going on and what's right, that you are saying that where our conflicts begin is within us. And we need to have you do it. You to change us and then change our conflicts, therefore. The things that happen and what's going on with others oftentimes cannot just be changed by what we do. We need you to work and move. And as you do that, as you move within your people, then they will notice you, Jesus. People will be drawn to your name, your great name. Because your people are submitting to your way and your will in our everyday lives. Lord, move as only you can. Even these moments, speak, seal within us the desire to follow through on what you're asking today. In Jesus' name, amen.